Hello friend, I'm so grateful you're here. Welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast season three. This season we're taking time to better understand who the women in the New Testament are and their experiences. We will learn more of them, their story, and how Jesus Christ tutored their lives. We will learn more about how much Jesus Christ loves women. I am so grateful you're here today. Welcome, welcome. This week we are talking about Matthew 6 and Matthew 7. And there are no women again in these scriptures, but there is still so much to learn. So I hope that you can listen and that there's something that stands out and you can take with you. There are a lot of JSTs. And so I hope that you take time to go uh, read those in the footnotes or in the index, wherever they might be. I was just like the reminder. I'm always reminding my kids they probably, I'm probably driving them crazy, but it's important because it's the correct translation that we believe in as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. First thing we're going to talk about, Matthew 6, verses 1 through 5, it is talking about the alms. So we go directly to the footnote, and it came to pass that as Jesus taught his disciples, he said unto them, take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Okay, so alms. First of all, an alms is money or food that was given to the poor. The footnote right here also, I looked up that word, but also the footnote B for alms is righteousness, acts of religious devotion. So when I was reading this, it reminded me of fast offering. So right off, we're talking about just giving, right? Giving money, giving food, um, act of religious devotion. And we need to make sure that we do as Jesus taught his disciples and take heed that we don't give before men just to be seen. That's a lot what this beginning chapter, beginning verses of this chapter are about is doing things for the right reason, (laughs) making sure that we're giving to others because we want to be helpful, that we want to give to God and that we want him to see that we are doing our best and sacrificing or serving or praying or whatever it might be, that we are doing it because we want to become closer to him, not because we want praise from other people and for other people to be like, oh yeah, I see you. That's awesome that you just did that. That's really what a lot of this talks about. Verse um, two goes on. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee or the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Their reward is not being blessed for what they're doing. Their reward is being seen by everyone else. It says, when you do your alms though, let thy left hand know Let thy left hand not know what your right hand doeth. So just do so in a way that isn't presenting to everyone. That thy alms might be in secret and thy father, which is in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. So we're told that if we give, he will reward us openly. Uh, So others may or may not see, but we will be able to see, obviously, what it is. And then it goes on verses six through eight is talking about prayer. And the same idea, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, 
Pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And when we pray, use not vain repetition, as the heathens do. For they think that they shall be heard of their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye need them. And then nine, I do have footnote A. It is this way that ye shall, that ye ought to pray. So we're going to, verse nine is the beginning of the Lord's prayer. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But I like that footnote reminder of the Lord's prayer is actually just a structure for us to pray. But in verses six through eight, we are taught how to pray in private. We can enter into a closet, which that might not be feasible for some people, but I think just going to a quiet private place and shutting the door or just making sure that there won't be interruptions, which I know can be really difficult as a parent to find a quiet place, but it is possible. And we just need to do our best. Obviously, life ebbs and flows. We have seasons, but we need to pray to our father and not have vain repetition, which we always grow up calling them shelf prayers. I know there's lots of different names, but just being really present in our prayers and remembering who, that we're talking to our heavenly father and that Jesus Christ is going to be our advocate for these prayers. And so as we pray, it's important to remember that setting ourselves up in a room where we won't be interrupted and then praying to our father and actually being genuine with the things we need, the things we're grateful for, just really seeking that connection with him. Even imagine that he's there with you or near you, I think can be really helpful. So the Lord's Prayer is, like I said, it's verses 9 through 13. And footnote A is, it is in this way that you ought to pray. So I know some religions repeat the Lord's Prayer, but for us, we don't. And we use it as a way to learn how to pray. It says to recognize that in this manner, therefore, pray, O Father, which art in heaven. So start your prayer in recognition to Heavenly Father. And then it says, thy will be done. Give us our daily bread. So recognize him, let him know what our needs are. And then in verse 12, forgive us. We need to ask for forgiveness. And in 13, there is a JST and it says, and suffer us not to be led into temptation. So we need to pray that we can be strong enough to resist that temptation, that we won't be led into temptation and just asking for help. So I like this thought that we use this as a basis, as a structure for our prayers and recognizing him, um, calling out to him, like in verse eight or verse six talked about that we need to call in privately to him as our father in heaven, but letting him know our needs, asking forgiveness and asking for help. And sometimes I think we get so stuck in the structure of prayer that we forget that it's not so much about the structure as it is about building that relationship. And I think sometimes it's even important to start our prayer off by telling Heavenly Father what our needs are, telling him if we've had a really bad, hard day and just leading up with that. And sometimes that can make the gratitude even more fulfilling and more genuine expression of forgiveness can come to us. Sometimes as we get that anxiety or struggle off of our chest 
in verses 16 through 18, we're going to talk about fast. And 14 and 15 actually have an if then, which I always love if then. I think they're so interesting to look for. 14 says, and if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. So if you forgive, heavenly father will forgive you. If you forgive not men, then heavenly father will not forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is an important commandment that we learned. We talked about that in the last podcast. President or Elder Holland talked about forgiveness and how we don't have to agree with what happened, but we can still be forgiving. So then in 16 through 18, we are going to talk about fasting. And 17 says, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thine face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto the father, which is in secret and thy father, which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So these are our steps to fasting anoint thy head, prepare thyself, wash thyself, like just be prepared for that opportunity, uh, that sacred opportunity. It doesn't need to be anything that people notice. You could fast on a Tuesday and nobody would really need to know. Even on fast Sunday, you never really know who's fasting or who's not fasting. It doesn't matter. It's something personal that you're doing with God and you're seeking out a prayer in your heart, a blessing, something to be strengthened. And so it doesn't need to be noticed by others, just like fast offering doesn't, just like prayer doesn't. And good, oh, that's why I have foot, I have 18A, the footnote circled, but I have a note here that the topical guide for that one, it says to look at fast, fasting, and motivations. So when thou appear unto men to fast, which is like the motivation, it, we don't need to express our motivation. Our motivation should not be to men, but to God. Again, just like our fast offering. Uh, verse 20 through 23. There are so many good verses in these ones. So we're kind of going through some of them quickly. But 23, 23. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single to the glory of God, thy whole body shall be full of light. I love that. That is part of a footnote. If our eye is single to the glory of God, then our whole body will be filled with light. As we're choosing him and choosing his way, then we can be that light in the darkness. Our light can be his light. And we have to choose our master, which is verse 24. No man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And I think that just goes with the light. The light that we choose, the master we choose is the light that we shine. And it it does make a difference. And I think it's this constant battle with our temptations and our sinning and our trials as we find this balance in this celestial world, as Elder Holland pointed out, we don't live in a celestial world. And so we are always going to be having this pull about two masters, but we can know which one we want to serve and we can strive to do our best to be able to do that. Verses 28 through 34 talk about the, well, 27 says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil, not neither do they spin. Verse 31, 
Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall you eat? Or what shall we drink? Wherewith shall we be clothed? Knoweth that ye have need of, I know it, your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Wherefore, seek not for the things of the world, but seek ye first up to build the kingdom of God and to establish his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I think these verses are so comforting. You will be taken care of. He knows your needs. He will provide. Have faith. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean you're going to be rolling in money. It doesn't mean everything's going to come easy. But as we have faith and trust in him, and as we pay our tithe and pay our fast offerings and do those things for God and not for man, then he will provide. He will t- make it so we don't have to have thought for tomorrow, what where we're going to eat or drink or be clothed. Those will be met. Our needs are known and they will be met and he will provide. We have to trust in him and know that he knows you and your needs and that he will take care of those things for you. So that's the end of chapter seven. So, or chapter six, excuse me. So chapter seven, one through 11 is just like a giant JST. The only two verses that are not JSTs are verses seven and eight. And we, um, these ones are really well known too. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be open. So as we trust him to know us as individuals and our needs, he will take care of them. And as we ask, things will be given. And as we seek, we will find them. And as we knock, they will be open. This is such a good group of scriptures for when you have questions, when you're wondering about different things with your testimony or with the church. If you seek in the right places, the spirit will be able to testify to you of truth as you find it. And as you ask, you will be able to find. And I think our motivation has to be in the right place. We have to align our will with his in order to get these answers sometimes, because sometimes if our asking is just to get the answer we want, it's not always going to be given. And so we have to ask with an open heart and seek and knock with an open heart and open mind so that we can get the answers that God needs us to get. Okay. So in verses 14 through 20, it talks about straight is the gate, narrows the way. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in fruits clothed in, sorry, in sheep's clothing. And uh, by your fruits, you shall know them. The good fruits come from a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Therefore, can the corrupt tree bring forth good fruit? Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. So <clears throat> false prophets, it says in here, are hypocrites. They're guile and they go against what the prophet or our savior, Jesus Christ teaches in the scriptures. And I think when I was younger, false prophets were like, I don't even know people, people like dressed up on the street. If you've ever been able to go to general conference at the conference center, there's people like protesting. And sometimes to me, that was like the false prophets or um, just things like that. People saying completely different things than what our religion and like Bible bashing type people. However, Sometimes I think we need to be careful 
because false prophets is anyone who speaks against the prophet or against the commandments or against our doctrine. And sometimes those people are members of our own church. I think it's really easy on social media to follow people and admire them and be grateful for them. And as they start teaching or talking about things that are their opinion, it's easy to take it as like, oh, that doesn't matter. Or, oh, they said that. So that's how it must be. It must not be how I was interpreting it or exactly the way the prophet said, or it's okay to not obey the prophet or not obey this commandment or not keep our covenants. So we have to be careful about false prophets within our own religion, our own sphere within social media, because false prophets are hypocrites, guile, or people that go against the commandments, go against the teachings of our living prophets and apostles. Just go through your social media and see who you're following. And if there's anyone that seems to be on the fence, maybe unfollow them. Maybe that's something that you don't need in your life. Just something to give a thought for you. So the end of this chapter is the wise men and the foolish men. (laughs) Always makes me think of the primary song. The wise men, he built his house on a rock. The winds came, the winds blew, beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And in the footnotes for that, it says adversity. So the adversity came, they stood still. There was the the foolish man who built his house upon the sand and the rains came and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat upon the house and the house fell. In 27, under when it says, and it fell and great was the fall of it. There's a footnote and it says apostasy of individuals. So this is literally a parable about our individual lives. It's not about your family. It's not about your husband. It's not about your kids. It's not about your wife. It's not about your neighbor. It doesn't matter what your neighbor's doing. This is about you and where your foundation is. And it's okay if your foundation is a little rock. <laughs> it's okay. It doesn't have to be a giant rock. President Nelson told us, and I don't remember which conference. I should probably look it up before I start saying things. But he did say that we need to make sure, even if we have a desire to believe, that is a place to begin. I will link this conference talk in the notes. Even if we have a desire to believe, we can still begin our faith there. So it doesn't have to be some giant rock of faith on all the things. You have to remember that our testimonies grow line upon line, precept upon precept, one principle upon another, and we have to keep building. Even if we have a testimony of the Book of Mormon, we still have to keep reading the Book of Mormon and keep building that testimony and keep maintaining it in order for it to stay. Because even with a rock, as the water comes and smooths it and changes it, we still have to maintain our position on it. You need to make sure that your testimony is being built in the right place, that it's solid enough that when the floods come, it will be able to be maintained, that you can find it again, that it can be there, even if it is small. But know that as you build your foundation on Jesus Christ and on his church, these other things will fall into place also. And some of these fasting and praying and tithing and uh, fast offering and asking and seeking and 
making sure you know who to follow as you follow the prophet. These things are the are the small and simple things that actually make the most incredible difference in the rock that you're standing on. And when you are praying and reading and fasting and tithing and watching general conference and re-listening to them and reading your scriptures, that is what strengthens your rock and strengthens your feet being able to stand on that rock to withstand the adversary that will come and prevent the apostasy of individuals, as the footnote says. So I hope that you can read this this week and really find strength in these scriptures and find something that resonates with you and focus on and work on if there's one of these that you need to work on and that you're just feeling pulled towards. So thank you so much for joining me this week and I hope you have a great day.